everyone. Um, it is a beautiful day and uh, um, certainly another great opportunity for us to uh, kind of recalibrate, get to the basics and the fundamentals of, of living. Um, you know, those basics and fundamentals have to include God and Christ. Um, anything other than, than, that, than that foundation is is subject to failure. Actually, it will fail. Um, so, in God and His infinite wisdom, you know, even throughout the Old Testament, Scripture has commanded His creations to do things for the benefit uh, of them. We know that, uh, you know, God in, in the Old Testament, when He told the uh, the Hebrews to only eat certain types of animals um, certainly was for their spiritual benefit, but there were also some health benefits uh, of avoiding certain types of animals. Um, just as we know that uh, moving forward to the New Testament or this this the latter days, <clears throat> the um, uh, the the last and only the last will and testament of God that uh, even coming together on the first day of the week has its spiritual benefits, but also its uh, physical ones and, and emotional and mental benefits as well. It's an opportunity for each and every one of us to, to uh, come to grips and to realize that uh, there is something out there bigger than ourselves, um, that we're all kind of going through this life um, as best we can uh, with the power and the will of God. Uh, but that we're not alone, that we all struggle in certain areas, um, that uh, we all have moments where our faith wavers. Um, and that's the reason why we have one another, and that's the reason why God has instituted uh, this structure called the church, uh, so that we can all be together and uh, support one another. Uh, with that in mind, um, I wanted to read a passage of Scripture from the book of Romans, the 12th chapter. Um, and it reads, be kindly, uh, Romans 12, uh, verse number 10, it says, be kindly affectioned one to another uh, with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Um, it goes on to say in, in uh, verse number 13 of Romans, the 12th chapter, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Uh, uh, verse number 14, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another, one toward another. mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. And, you know, these are all beautiful words, um, certainly words that... Uh, um, because this gospel is true, because it is the inspired word of God, God is speaking to each and every one of us about the characteristics um, that are uh, that uh, should be common to all Christians or all disciples of Jesus Christ. Lastly, and certainly not least, in verse number 18, it says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And that's what we strive to do. Um, and that's, you know, a, a beautiful um, reminder for us, certainly on the first day of the week, that 
Um, again, our obligations, our foundations, um, the cornerstone of, of what we do, what we say, how we act, certainly needs to be God and Jesus Christ, but also has to be rooted um, in you know this general theme of love as we've read here in Romans, the 12th chapter. Now, that isn't my lesson this morning, um, but it has a lot to do with it. Um, the, the lesson this morning is the sign of God. And uh, the sign of God um, and how love has to do with this sign of God is all centered around a scripture that we all know very well from John, uh, the third chapter and verse number 16. Um, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, this concept of love, um, for we know that uh, going back to what 1 John, um, throughout 1 John, this, this theme of love, um, even the statement that God is love, uh, is the foundation, cornerstone, um, and basis, uh, again, of what we do, what we say, how we act, how we speak, how we interact with one another, and also how we interact with those in the world, this this overriding theme of love has to be there. And so in 1 Corinthians, and you don't have to flip over there, but 1 Corinthians, the uh, first chapter and verse number 22, um, even going back to verse number 21, um, this uh, Paul in referencing the foolishness of preaching uh, says that uh, this foolishness of preaching, and he's he's being facetious, of course, um, by stating that, um, is that uh, the reason why it's foolishness to those out there in the world is because, by and large, most people, um, as it says in verse number 22, the Jews require a sign and, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Uh, most people, um, as they look at the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and the things that God has said in this book that sit in front of all of us, is that, uh, you know, it can't be true, or if it is true, I need a sign of its truth. I need evidence of the fact that the, the gospel is truth. Secondarily to that, others will say, you know what, it's a, it's a good book of wisdom. It doesn't contain uh, uh, the true plan of salvation. It, it doesn't uh, pertain to salvation, period. It just is a good... A collection of stories, uh, a good guideline to to lead someone to a, a moral life, just as well as they would say the same for, you know, books of Hindu, um, books of Judaism. Um, I don't know if they'd say that about Islam, but I'm sure some have said that, uh, that this, this book is just simply a, a source of wisdom, um, whereas others will say it is a good book, but it's lacking a sign. And what is the sign uh, to humanity um, that we have? Um, if you go back to the scripture reading where uh, Jesus says that he will not give a sign or that God will not give a sign because that sign has already been given. And that's the sign of Jonah. To, you know, understand what uh, Jesus is, is referencing in, in uh, in John, or sorry, excuse me, in the book of Matthew, the 12th chapter, starting at verse number 8. 
38, is to understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved the world enough to give a part of himself to this world to die on the cross so that through his death, his burial and resurrection, if we would believe in that in that, uh, in that life, in that death, and in that resurrection, we would not perish, but have everlasting life. And I know that it goes without saying, but if you unpack what he is, uh, what what uh, Jesus is making in this statement, is that he gave us his son. God gave us a sign of his power, of his grace, and of his love through his son Jesus really isn't any other sign that's necessary. There really isn't anything we should look for, or um, there isn't any other proof that we should uh, be desirous of other than the life, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, if you have your Bibles, <clears throat> um, please turn to uh, the book of Hebrews. And uh, uh, while I don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, um, you know, this letter is certainly to, uh, more geared towards uh, the Hebrew, the Jew, uh, the Israelite, the, the Old Testament uh, believer. <clears throat> um, and if you look at uh, Hebrews, the, we're going to look at a couple verses here, but um, let's start at uh, Hebrews, the seventh chapter. In Hebrews, the seventh chapter, starting at, uh, um, let's start reading at uh, verse number 25. Um, in reference to the, um, the Arianic priesthood, or the Levitical priesthood, it says in verse number 25 of Hebrews, the seventh chapter, it says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself, for the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son, capital S, who is consecrated forevermore. Continuing on um, in verse number, verse number 1 of chapter 8, it says, Now of the things which we have spoken of, this is the sum. We have a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore it is of necessity that this man have someone also to offer. For if he were on the earth, he should not be a priest. 
seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For, see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. You know, the um, even looking here at verse number 5, and, and we can delve into uh, this reference from the Old Testament, but you can see here that God was at... Uh, that God admonished Moses by saying, look, I've given you a pattern um, and I want you to build this earthly tabernacle based on this pattern. You know, and this pattern was meant to be a sign of things to come. Um, you know, in, in multiple passages, certainly in the Old and the New Testament, um, certainly where, where God said in those times of ignorance, God winked at they were ignorant of what was coming, but he uh, instill God, I'm referring to, still gave the um, Hebrews, the Israelites, the Jews, in their moments or in their time of ignorance, a sign of things to come. There was a man who was a sign of that uh, things to come. We can go back and, and read about uh, John, the Baptist. Um, where John <laughs> basically said, or in the Old Testament, that there it prophesied that there would be a man um, from the wilderness who would come out of the wilderness and preach that there was some someone coming. He was the sign of Jesus. And we find, uh, looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that John the Baptist was that sign. He wasn't... Jesus himself, but he was assigned a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy that something was coming. If you go back to, <clears throat> again, this, this passage that we just read in the book of Hebrews, um, it's starting from Hebrews, the seventh chapter, and then going into the beginning of Hebrews, the eighth chapter. The Old Testament was a sign of things to come. The Arianic Levitical priesthood was a sign of the coming of a better priest. A priest that was harmless, separate from sinners. And this priest would follow the, the, the pattern of the old in that this priest would have to, would be required to render a sacrifice for the atonement of the sins of the people under his priesthood. And this priest did just that. We know this high priest, um, the perfect high priest, the one who is separate, um, the one who is referenced in, in this passage that we just read as the capital S-O-N, is Jesus the Christ. And again, God so loved us that he gave this high priest to us as a sign of things to come, to die on that cross, to be buried in the ground three days, and to rise again on that third day. So, <clears throat> looking back at uh, Matthew, the 12th chapter, um, in verse number 40 and 41. I'm not going to go over this story in great detail, but I know all of us have a general understanding of the account of Jonah. Jonah was a priest um, uh, a prophet of God. 
And as a prophet, he was, <clears throat> he committed himself to do the things that God had commanded him to do. God commanded Jonah to, uh, to leave the comforts of his home and go over to this evil city um, called Nineveh and preach a message of repentance to the Ninevites um, to, in order to save them from guaranteed destruction. We know that Jonah balked at that commandment. Uh, he went uh, the opposite direction. Um, he tried to skirt the commandment of God. He tried to escape it. Uh, and we know that uh, through um, a powerful storm on the sea, that the sailors threw him overboard and he was swallowed by a great fish that God had prepared for Jonah um, because of his disobedience. He was in that belly for three days and three nights as a sign, you know, in like manner, uh, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was in the ground three days. So was Jonah in the belly of this fish three days and three nights. And then, if you will, resurrected from certain death onto the uh, the shores of Nineveh. And I'm, I'm using this analogy on purpose because the scripture does the same. In verse number 40 of Matthew chapter 12, or verse 41 rather, um, it says, The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. And I think it's interesting that Jesus said these words. And the reason why he said these words is, if you also remember the end of the story, that Jonah did in fact preach the message of repentance to the Ninevites, and thousands of souls were saved that day just based off of a message of a stranger who had um, sunburned skin, because we know that uh, in the story of Jonah, <laughs> he continued to uh, question um, his role, or rather God's role, and his will in, in men's lives, or all life for that matter, but just based off of his message of repentance. Jonah didn't go there and die on a cross, he didn't get buried in the ground. He didn't rise again the third day. Yet and still thousands upon thousands of souls were saved that day just based on the message of repentance. And that message was simply, God is the Almighty and His will will always be done. And His commandments are true. They're self-evident and they will last forever. In order to obtain life and thus avoid destruction, you need to get, um, ask forgiveness or repent of your sins and commit yourself to living after God. And, that's, and, and, and I'm not saying that that's word for word what Jonah said because the scripture doesn't give us the exact account of those words, but yet and still his message was powerful enough, absent a sign, to sway the lives, uh, to change the lives of thousands of people. All of us here today on this conference call um, in, uh, what is this, August the 30th, 2020, um, we are different. Um, we are blessed that we have this binding of the, the Holy Scripture from Genesis to the book of Revelation, in which it accounts for the life and times of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the sign from God that there is a way back to Him. A sign from God that there is a heaven and a hell. 
A sign from God that God does exist. A sign from God that the gospel is the truth. Because Jesus came to this earth as a man who was subject to like temptations as we are, and he got through those 33 years of life, all of those challenges, all of those temptations, yet without sin, neither was there guile found in his mouth. It goes on to say in Matthew, the 12th chapter, and verse number 42, in referencing how uh, the queen of Ethiopia, she had heard of the majesty, the wisdom of Solomon, and she wanted to find out more. So she went to Solomon. She traveled from the south, Ethiopia, all the way to uh, Jerusalem, if you will, to meet with Solomon. And she found, based off of seeing him and speaking with him, that he was, in fact, a man of God. And you can find that in uh, First Kings, uh, the uh, 10th chapter, uh, the Queen of Sheba, excuse me, not Ethiopia, but the Queen of Sheba, uh, traveled a long distance. She not having a sign, she just witnessing this 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 wise man believed in Solomon's God, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, based on what she saw. She did not see Solomon die on the cross. She did not see Solomon. Um, buried in the ground and be resurrected the third day. Um, she observed Solomon as he was and believed. It says in verse number forty-two again of Matthew the twelfth chapter, the queen of the south, the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Who is that one that's greater? And that's Jesus the Christ. The <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of naysayers, I guess, if you will, nowadays. Um, there's a lot of confusion. Um, with all of the things that are going on in in the world with you know natural disasters and and political and social unrest um, we've got uh, we continue to struggle with uh, this virus and all of the things that it uh, it entails and everyone out there is looking for the the answer to the question why why, why are all these things happening um, is does a God exist? Um, what does it all mean? And I'm sure that there are maybe some of us um, and maybe other Christians uh, out there in this world who have those same questions. Looking for a sign. If you have your Bibles, turn to John, the 20th chapter, <clears throat> starting at uh, verse number 24. And we'll read about a man by the name of Thomas. Doubting Thomas as uh, he's been called over the generations. But um, in verse number 24, I'm, I'm not going to read it all. Um, we don't have a whole lot of time uh, left 
this morning. Um, but uh, starting at the 24th, 24th verse of John, the 20th chapter, um, we read of somebody who has issues with believing, um, certainly had issues with uh, what it truly means to believe in, and how that, that, that true belief should inspire true faith. Uh, Hebrews the 11th chapter and verse number one says, Now faith is a, the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Um, we know Thomas at this time just didn't have that, that faith. He was looking for something. He was looking for a physical sign. He was looking for something to buoy himself that he could use to buoy himself to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was like what we just read in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter and verse 22 of the, the Jews looking for a sign and the Greeks seeking after wisdom. He needed something he could hold on to, that he could physically touch, that he could say, yes, I believe Jesus is true based on what I saw, what I felt um, back in such and such a time. And I would say that there are certain Christians um, certainly in the world in general, that is looking for the, uh, the exact same thing. They're looking at what's going on right now as a sign. They're trying to use this virus. They're trying to use the fires. They're trying to use the social, um, uh, the social uh, distress. Uh, they're trying to look at what's going on over in the Middle East between uh, Israel and, and Palestine and and all of these various things, they're, they're trying to look at the stars and the constellations as a sign to buoy themselves to the truth of the gospel. There are some Christians even, I, I imagine, and I don't want to say I imagine because I've, 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 I've said this prayer myself. God, if you will just give me a sign, that'll be it. I will, I will be in, I will buy in lock, stock, and barrel. God, if you will just give me a sign that you exist. And we find here that Thomas falls into that same vein. And it says <clears throat> that Thomas, being one of the twelve, he, he lived, um, he walked with Jesus, he heard him, he embraced Jesus. Um, he saw all the signs that Jesus did, the, the miracles and such. But he says, mm, this resurrection piece, this thing that's impossible that I've that that I've never experienced before I, I just I need a sign I need something I need proof he says in verse number 25 um, and the other disciples therefore said unto him we have seen the Lord but he said unto them um, except I sh I shall see in his hands the print of the nails put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side I will not believe And I guess um, this belief and this love, uh, the love of God, this is where the intersection comes into play. Again, going back to John, the third chapter and verse number 16, that God so loved the world that he gave the sign of himself in the form of his son, Jesus, to live and to die on the cross, to be resurrected the third day. And if one would believe on that, they will not perish, but have everlasting life. 
It is because of God's love that He gave us the Son. And if you have any confusion as to um, um, you know, as I've referenced that God gave the Son um, in the form of Himself uh, or in the form of Jesus um, and that uh, you can go back to the first chapter of the book of John um, where it says that the Word was God and was with God. And in John the first chapter in verse number 14, it says that the Word was made flesh. So God gave a gave a portion of himself in the form of Jesus in the form of Jesus as a son. And John the first chapter is evidence of that. But we find here again in verse number 25 that Thomas said, Nope, and unless I have physical proof, unless I see it with my own eyes, I will not believe. It says that uh, in verse number 26, after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with him. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then he saith unto Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Thomas got his sign, didn't he? He got his proof. From, from that moment after, if Thomas ever had any doubts in his mind about God, about Jesus, about the truth of the gospel, he could go back to this particular instance where he, in fact, was able to prove to himself that Jesus did resurrect him or that God resurrected his only begotten son, Jesus, from the dead. But that's not the end of the story. In verse number 29, it says, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And I guess the counter to that verse would be, the condemnation is great to those who have not seen and still haven't believed. And if you have any doubt on that, go back and look at Matthew, the 12th chapter. Again, it's starting at verse number 38, where Jesus says, I'm not, God is not giving another sign other than the sign that has already been given, the sign of Jonah. And the sign of Jonah is that it is not necessary for the faith that is that is required for true belief does not require a sign. And even if it did, the sign has already been given to us in the form of Jesus the Christ. It goes on to say in verse number 30, and many other signs truly did Jesus, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. What other proof do you need? What other evidence needs to be provided? What other sign is required 
for you to believe that God is God and that Jesus is his only begotten son. And that Jesus, as his only begotten son, was uh, commanded or was given to this world uh, to die on the cross for our sins, to lay forth his gospel of truth through which all of us might have an opportunity to be saved. And that's my lesson this morning. If you're here and you, for whatever reason, are lacking in faith, if you're unbelieving because you're waiting for some sign of God, you know, the, the scripture says that uh, when Jesus comes again, um, he will come um, or his, his return uh, will be hearkened by the, by the, what is it, the, the sound of the archangel, by the, the blowing of the trumpet of the archangel. Um, Jesus will come, he will collect his uh, disciples, and, and the scripture says we'll be, we'll be with him, we will meet him in the clouds, and, and we'll be with him forevermore. Those that are left over will see the sign of God but it'll be too late. That sign will not be something that's rosy and kind and beautiful and magnificent. It will be the sign of the destruction of the earth and the elements therein. But then it'll be too late. The world is looking for this sign and God forbid that they, they, they see that sign. Uh, because that sign will be the sign of the end of all things and the beginning of their eternal uh, condemnation and destruction, the lake of fire and brimstone, where they'll be wailing, where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So why not be like the Ninevites who believe the message sight unseen? Why not be like Queen Sheba who just hearing about Solomon and his majesty prompted her to leave her country and to bring gifts to this man she just heard about third hand. Jesus is greater than Jonah. He's wiser than Solomon. He is the only begotten son of God. So if you're here this morning and uh, again, if your faith has been wavering, hopefully this message has been encouraging to you um, as it was to me to, to kind of go through it, uh, that, you know, God so loved us that he gave his son Jesus as a son. And that love has to be the foundation of who we are, what we say, what we speak and what we do. But it all requires us to believe in the only begotten um, and his death is burned, his resurrection. So if you have need, uh, we will sing a song of invitation. Um, afterwards, the floor will be open to you to request a prayer, to get anything off your chest that needs to be <coughs> expressed to your fellow brothers and sisters, and certainly to God and your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So.